We want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. Thanks for listening as Pastor Steve Hibden shares an encouraging word of God's love. Uh, but fortunately for us, we don't have to wait until October. Th- we are in a series, a second week called uh, Masks, Uncovering Disguises in Our Life. And we might come to church and put on a mask, uh, a face covering. If you notice, the sign is calling it a face covering now. That's a much softer way of saying. And I said, you can wear a face covering coming in and out or while you're here if you want. But don't put on ec- extra masks that hide who we really are. It's okay to be who you are. Well, you don't know me. You don't know how bad I am. Well, um, Jesus doesn't. He still accepts you. Isn't that great? And some of you would say, well, that's great for those people that he still accepts. I'm talking to all of you. We all need, it's amazing that God gives us grace. It's amazing grace for all of us. And um, masks will help us do many things. Um, They might help us sleep. Uh, through things we'd rather not see what's going on. Um, We've talked about the church being a sleeping giant. Jonah was asleep. That's kind of a theme that keeps coming up, and I didn't mean to talk about it right now, but sometimes we want to just sleep. We want to hide, and God's called us to things that he wants us to do, and sometimes masks mess that up in our lives. Masks help us to think we're in control of our own lives, and the truth is none of us are. All masks do are, um, I'm talking spiritual masks here, folks, if you're understanding here. All masks do is cause you to just worry more because you think you're in control, but then you realize how much you're not, right? We wear masks that um, are like, uh, we call them the mask of success to show people, look at me, I'm pretty, look at, I got things together, life's good. And really what they really are are more of, like a mask of comparison that we're thinking we're good, but we're really just looking at everyone else to see who has got what we don't and we want what they, and they leave us unfulfilled. Obviously, the mask that we don't want anyone to see is our mask of sin, but it is true, we all sin. Everyone's wearing a mask of sin at times. You mask, you, you put it on, you think no one can see it, but God sees it. And all that does is lead us to be unfulfilled as well. It leads us to addictions, and it leads us to strongholds in our life that we've talked about. Masks are no good. And let me tell you, Jesus, uh, that we like to talk about a lot here at church, because you can't criticize Jesus. You look at Jesus, and what he said, man, you can't. If you criticize that, then you got problems. And Jesus didn't like masks. He thought they were very dangerous. In fact, he was constantly confronting people for wearing masks. The people he was confronting, which works really good in this, in this message, is that he was confronting the people at church. He was confronting the leaders of the church. I, many of you are leader, the leaders of this church, the pillars of this church, and he was confronting, he called, they called them the Pharisees, None of us ever want to be a Pharisee. Just say you don't want to. You don't want to. But, but he was confronting the Pharisees because they were so snobby. <laughs> they were so self-righteous. They were so unadmitting and not admitting their weakness 
and their their um, their uh, their sickness in their life, which was the mask they wear. And there were some that were walking around with their noses up. And Jesus said, "Hey, you guys, I want to tell you a parable, and it's basically uh, a true story based on them." Okay, so this is the story because they were at the temple. And then uh, let me show you what it says. It's in, found in Math, uh, Luke chapter 18. I think it's also found in Matthew, but I'm going to read it in the message version. It says, by this time, back, back, um, oh, okay, Matthew 8, no, Luke 18, okay. Luke 18, sorry, you were right with your, did I give you Luke 12? There it is. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, Pharisees, church people, and looked down on everyone else. Just so in case you're wondering who this is about. Guys, let me tell you this parable about them. Two men went into the temple to pray. It's almost like a joke. Two men walk into a church, okay? And one was a Pharisee. The other was a tax collector. They're like, oh, goodness, what are you going to say now? What is this a joke that you're going to tell us? And perhaps he did do that sometimes, and it wasn't a parable, and they're not in the Bible. Maybe he did. But this is not a joke. He says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like all these other people the evildoers, the mean people, the bad people, this person. And he starts naming different ones. Go on to the next verse. Or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give you a tenth of all I got because I tithe. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. And he probably tithed too, by the way. I just want you to know. He would not even look to heaven but beat his breast and said, God! Have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus went to them and verse, he goes, I tell you this, that this man that was praying like that, he's justified. He's right before God. The other one, I can't say the same. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. If you want to be humble, then be, if you want to be humble, don't exalt yourself. And all those who humbled themselves will be exalted. Today I want to call this message the God bless you mask. The God bless you mask. Would you pray with me? Not just to pray, just to pray, but to pray, to say thank you, Jesus. I know you're here with us. I know you're here with us when we're not in this place. The church is the people. Yes, we acknowledge that. But there's something just nice about being together. And it's not just nice. It's powerful. It's anointed. It's what you've called us to do, to come into uh to fellowship with one another so we can have accountability and so that we can have encouragement. So I pray that no one would leave here without you fulfilling that promise in them today, that they would leave here more accountable, that they would leave here more loved, that they would leave here, I don't know if you can be more loved with God, but more loved by other people, and leave here more encouraged in Jesus' name. What do I usually say there that I'm not going to say? And everybody said, amen. I always say that. Sorry. Somewhere along the way, the church um, went to a place where we think that when we come here, we can hide from who we really are. Somewhere along the way, and maybe it was 2,000 years ago, 
that it happened and people would come to church and you would not let anyone know what's really in your heart, what you believe, what you were hurting about. And we say this, well, hello there. God bless you. Well, God bless you, brother. God bless you, brother. God bless you. God bless you, sister. God bless you. God bless you. And the only thing that's different is that maybe we don't do our handshake, but we still do it. And there's nothing wrong with saying God bless you to anyone. There's nothing wrong with, with greetings, right? I'm making a point here. I'm making the stereotype of the God bless you that we say, and yes, there's a time for small talk, right? There's a time just, hey, what's up? How much? Have a good day. But there's also a time when you move past that, at least in a family setting, you move past that and you, you get to real fellowship. That's what the Bible calls koinonia. You fellowship with one another. You feel each other. You hear each other out. You hear your problems. You be transparent. Families don't do that, I know. But um, that's what we want this family to do. That's a healthy Family, I don't want you to leave here thinking you can't say God bless you, but you understand. Come to the table of real fellowship. Take off your mask when it's time to take off your mask and be real with those around you. Amen? Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for their God bless you mask. God bless you. 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 He was like, I'm so sick of this. It's, it makes me want to puke. Like, watching you guys, I don't think he would be that like disrespectful the way he but he would be very strong. He was, it, it, it drove him crazy. He did not like that fakeness. The more you know Jesus, the more you see he really didn't like uh, what he called the yeast. It's like uh, the yeast of the Pharisees, the phoniness that they have of acting like they have all of life under control. Everything is under control. When the thing is, Jesus is like, dudes, I came or... Brothers and sisters, I came because I know you don't have life under control. I came to help you. Let me help you. Don't act like you have it figured out. It's okay not to be okay. I read that on someone's post this week, and I was like, wow, that's uh, exactly what we're talking about today. I appreciate what you're posting, Amanda Harker. With your um, and your ministry that you're doing and the Bible study that you guys are doing, it's awesome. Um, I would say jump in, but I don't know if it's too late or not. It might be too late, but in fact, raise your hand, Amanda, so people know who you are. She's our nursery pastor, and um, she's uh, awesome. And she wrote on her Facebook yesterday, "It's okay not to be okay." I was like, "Yes, it is okay." I don't like to say it always, but it is because central to our faith, central to being a Christian, central to when we sit here and sing of the goodness of God, central to that is our stance, our posture, that we are surrendered, we are repentant. If we come to worship, if we come into be a, if we call ourselves a Christian and we're not repentant, we're not completely surrendered, then we're probably faking it or, or we're not a Christian because Jesus wants us to be open and un admit that we need him in our life. It, it doesn't change when we meet Jesus the first time we meet Jesus and then we don't need him anymore. Yes, we still need him. 
We still need him. It's like it's the process of sanctification. It's a big word, sanctification. Most of you know what it means, but it sounds fancy to say it, but basically just saying, I am in on a journey daily to uh, let the Holy Spirit make me more like Jesus every day. That means tomorrow I'm going to be more like Jesus than I was today. Unless we don't submit to surrender to Jesus, then today we're as much, tomorrow we're going to be just the same as we were today. We want to every day continue to become more and more like Jesus. Jesus said, living for, for, for me is not a party and a celebration all the time. Yes, I will give you life abundantly. But you know what it's like? It's like dying every day. Who wants to come to Jesus today? Come to this altar. He's amazing. He's wonderful. Come on up here. You're going to die every single day of your life. That's what it'll feel like. That's what he says. Jesus says, take up your cross daily. He's saying, a cross? You're taking up a cross daily. That's the life of Jesus. My point is that we can't say we have it together because if you can take up your cross daily and die daily and you have it together, then I don't know how you do it by, by yourself. You need Jesus. Yet we often put on the mask. I'm a Christian. I'm a churchgoer. I have nothing wrong in my life. And when things go wrong in your life, because they will, you have to hide it. Because you don't want people to know that you're sinning. You don't want them to know that you're depressed. You don't want them to know that you're um, afraid. Because then that'll show that you're not as good of a Christian. That's, not, that's, that's our theology, isn't it? You say, not me, and not most of the time we'd rather say that's not. But sometimes it is. It's like, um, and we say, hashtag blessed. I'm blessed. That's perfect. Media is good for that, social media, because you can say your highlights of your life and show every time you're blessed when sometimes you don't feel blessed, you know? It's like um, I went on a run with a, with a friend, and he, he's more of a runner, and I'm not a runner, and about a mile into our run, he says, do you want a drink? Because he, he had a bottle of water. First thing I'm thinking is I'm not drinking after you, but... The second thing I was thinking, he sees me, I'm panting like a dog, and I say, no, I don't need a drink. And I say, why did I say I don't need a drink? Is because when we started the run, he said, you should bring water. You're going to need it. And I'm like, no, I'm tough. I don't need it. And so now I don't want to admit I need it. I need a drink. And um, I'm not going to swallow my pride and uh, take off that mask. And I couldn't swallow anyways, <laughs> for that matter. And so I said, um, no, I don't need one. And it's like, that's what our lives are like as Christians. When we can't admit we need a drink, we won't experience the fullness of, of living, like living in the Spirit. You want to live in the Spirit? You want to walk by the Spirit? You want to you be more like Jesus? Jesus was constantly getting a drink. Every time you see him heal, 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 you'll see him stop, get away from everyone, and get a drink. And then he'll come back. And he'll heal, heal, heal. He'll pray, pray, pray. He'll preach, preach, preach. And then he stops and says, I don't need anyone around me. I need to skip with my father. Admit I haven't. Even Jesus had need to get with his father. And you're allowed to um, ask for a drink. 
in this day that we live. Let's think about it. Let's be real. This is the worst. I mean, it could be. I mean, you could reports would say this, and I would say it's like the worst year in, on record. It's like the worst year you've ever, the history of the world. Now that people would say, well, I was there when blah, 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 but this could be like the worst year in record. It's all right because it's 2020 to say I'm not, I don't have perfect eyesight, 2020 vision. I need help. It's okay. If there's ever a time to say I'm not okay, it's in this year that we're living. At some point, if we don't do this, if the church is the people and people are a family, and if we don't admit it to each other, we'll, we'll uh, never get healed. Jesus said it's okay to do this. He said, he, in fact, he said this, and I think he might have even said this in something I read. Blessed are you when you cry. Blessed are you when you mourn. You mean it's okay for me to mourn? Yes. Blessed are you. The word could even be translated in some, some ways. Happy are you when you mourn. That doesn't even make sense. But Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, he's going completely opposite of what we know. And he says, he, he needs to get back on the mountain and, and preach this to us. Blessed are you when you mourn. Because guess what happens when you mourn? Because I see the big picture. Blessed are you when you mourn because you'll be comforted. That's why you're blessed, because I'll comfort you. When the first church was launched, Paul, one of his, one of his values, he said to the people, um, rejoice with those who rejoice and cry with those who cry. That's the way to do it. Mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. Both Jesus and Paul both attest to the fact that it's okay to not be okay and not stay not okay, but just to come to Jesus and get your answers. Can I hear an amen? That's why Jesus died. That's why he, that's why he lived. Jesus himself cried when his friend died. I don't get that because then he healed him. He raised him from the dead, but he cried. It's also okay to uh, come to church and not know everything about Jesus, not know how to pray the perfect prayer. That's why church is here, is to help people know Jesus. I'm looking across this room, and I think most of you know Jesus, so I'll move on from there, but that's okay. It's okay to have marriage problems. It's okay to have family problems. It's okay to have kid problems. Not for you because you don't have any kids yet, but it would be okay. It's okay to have financial problems. Problems are okay. What's not okay is this. I don't have any problems. I'm going to flaunt my perfect, self-righteous Christian life and say, I have all things together. It's not okay to be broken inside and show on the outside that you are all put together. That's not okay. Maybe it's okay at some churches, but if you don't have everything together inside, it's all right outside to be like, I don't have it all together. It's okay. That's, that's okay to be that way because Jesus is in the business of putting things together back together in us. If you remember a sermon one time we talked about how broken every time Jesus met bread, like was in 
contact with bread. He would break it, but then he would bless it, and then he would give it. And it's often like our lives. He takes us. He takes the bread every time. You look at it, it's crazy in the Bible. Every time bread was involved, he took it, he broke it, he blessed it, and then he gave it. That's what he wants to do in our lives. Take off your God bless you mask. Take off your mask that you have it all together. Um, we're not VIPs. We all, uh, we didn't get here by something we did, Jesus Jesus alone, Christ alone. Ephesians, one of our verses from our online discipleship, it's like a foundational uh, doctrinal verse to understand about your life. It's found in Ephesians. Can you put that on there? Uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. It says, for it is by grace. And it, yes, it repeats itself three times here, just in case you don't understand. If you're not getting it the first time, he says it three different ways. For it is by grace that you have been saved. We're supposed to have it memorized, so I'm going to see if I do. Not by faith, is, or not by, uh, oh gosh, see. It is by grace that you have been gr saved. And this is not from yourselves. It's a bit tricky because it says the same thing three times. Not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works. In case you were wondering, again, so that anyone can boast. That's the gift of grace. It's only by Jesus that we make it. I visit uh, hospitals. Uh, not as much these days. It's not as easy. It's like getting into a prison to go to a hospital. But um, you never go to a hospital and visit someone. And um, this, my sister, Marilyn, she spend more time in the hospital as she does at home sometimes. I bet you love it there, don't you? You just love it at the hospital. You never go to a hospital, make your appointment five weeks in advance, get there, go in, let them do 19 x-rays, sonogram, monogram, whatever they do, and then say, I'm not needing the hospital, I'm leaving. No, you go to the hospital because you need a hospital, you're sick. Yet we will often come to church, and we do come to church to give. That's our primary reason to give at church. We come to church to give, not offering, but just give. Just give to others, encourage others, serve, do things, give. It's not here for us, it's for others. We're here to fellowship and encourage each other. But when we come to church, we often will say that we're not sick, we don't need help, and um, we really don't need the church. We really, that would say that. But the church is like a hospital. We're supposed to come here and admit we need help. Everybody say, I need help. I need help. Yes, we do. Yes, you, you do. You do. I heard you say it really loud, and you do need help, um, Elaine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, we do walk in victory, and we're supposed to walk in victory, and we're supposed to speak in faith. I am blessed. You know, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to put on a garment of praise. We're supposed to be thankful people, but that doesn't negate. All of these things don't negate the fact that um, we still need Jesus to do this. And this requires being surrendered. This requires taking off a mask in our lives. And it's hard to take off masks in front of people. 
It's hard to be who we are in front of people. You need a culture, a family to do that. The church needs to do a way better job at being a family because when you're a family, you're able to be real in front of each other and we need to cultivate that. We must come to the altar collectively bow our knee at the altar, say we need Jesus. Let me just try to do it without looking at notes. What I want to explain here is something we're going to need for the next three months. We're in October, November, December. I'm saying like three months, but next three years of our life. I don't think we'll be here three decades, so, and I don't think we'll be here three years for that matter, but if we are, this is what we need. You need a family at church, all right? And what that looks like is this. A family accepts the faults of one another. And it also admits their own faults. Our world is divided. Yes, I know you're sick of hearing it. So am I, but it is. Our world is divided. There's no way we can be unified at church with so many different, oh, Thomas didn't like this, so he's out of here, I'm just kidding. So many reasons that we should uh, not get along in these next four months because so many different opinions on so many different things. I'll just leave it at that, right? But there's a possibility if we could be what the, what is, what the Bible characterizes what the church is to be, a family, that we can still love one another and and hang out with each other and get along through this time. And this is how it happens. Take off my mask. I need Jesus. I don't have all the answers. I don't know what's going on. I am sinful. I repent. The sooner we can get a posture of repentance in our lives and uh, surrender. I said it a lot and I'll keep saying it. The sooner we have this posture, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender, the sooner we will see revival in our midst. The opposite of that, because, because when you're surrendered, when you're repentant, you uh, don't see others' faults because you have the faults too. And instead of seeing your differences with those around you, you see, oh, you're sinful too? So am I. We need Jesus. We both need Jesus. It's no longer you need Jesus. You need to get with him. You need to talk to him and figure out what's wrong with you because you have opinions that I don't agree with. No, you say we both, man. We both need to come to the cross collectively. We all collectively. This, this is the equation that every church needs to do. I don't know if they will, but let's try to make this our equation. We come to the cross collectively. We come to our knees. We say, Jesus, we need your help in our country. Jesus, we are sinful people. There's a Bible verse, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, that says what the prayer we need. It's not, Jesus, help this one to get elected. Jesus, help this law not to be passed. Jesus, help this group or this group to uh, be more loving. It's this. If my people 
who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face and ask for forgiveness for our sins. I don't know if that's, that's the second part. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. That's how it happens. It's hard for us to go to 2 Chronicles 7.14 and do that because that admits that we probably have problems too, just as much as anyone else. Okay, so that's the definition of unity. I think blessed are, I think it's in Psalms 133, I believe. He says, the, God bestows blessing on groups of people when they dwell together in unity. We need unity or we'll have no blessing. And unity comes when we come to the cross together daily. The sooner we posture ourselves surrendered, the sooner we will see restoration. The sooner we will see relationships actually grow, actually build, actually start with people that we're not sure that we agree with. When we come repentant, the opposite of that is put on your mask. I guess this would be the opposite. Put on your mask, um, come to church, be the church, and be, um, be the church and be fake. And um, while you're on with your mask, you're gonna look around and compare and criticize and critique and compete because we'll do, that's what, that's what that fosters when we put on a mask because we were looking at what others do and, st and look at all the things that are different. Oh, look at that person. They're so different than me. Instead of seeing our similarities that we all need Jesus. You got it, say amen. Um, would you come up, my brother Nate, play for us? Can we surrender today? I don't need to surrender. Yeah, we all need to surrender something. Think about it. What do I need to surrender? Ask the Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me through this? What are you saying to me through all of this? What do, you, what, what do I need to surrender? What do I have wrong? Because we do. And once we get that out, then we have no reason to love one another. And yes, we stand for our beliefs and our convictions, but more we love, we love, we love. And we be Jesus, we be family, we welcome one another. In these next four months, we need it, don't we? What is the Spirit speaking to you? Let me be real with you for a minute. A mask I have in my life. Do you want me to tell you about one? This is this will this will uh, model what we all need to be. I have a mask that I wear from time to time. It's called the mask of I have all the answers. I'm a I still call myself a new senior pastor because four years I'm just realizing what I don't know. How much more I don't know about doing this. I just don't. I just don't know very much. And I'm not going to cry about this because I already said it online uh, on the recording there, and I, I felt healed. So now it's almost like just rehearsing something I already took off. And that is this. I take off the mask that I don't know. Ever, I don't have all the answers because people will come to me and they'll say, what do we do with the racial injustice in our country? What do we do with the social problems that are going on? What, why don't we have this ministry in our church? Why don't we start this program? 
at church? How come we haven't done it yet? We haven't started this program. How come you don't do this? Do you know the answer to, um, to why my uh, marriage failed? I, and often I will, instead of talking out of weakness, because in our weakness, God becomes strong, I talk out of my uh, strength that's not really strong, my own wisdom, and I say something that I don't, it's, it's not from Jesus, and because I think I have the, all, all the answers. And what I need to do is take off that mask, because do you know who does have all the answers? It's God's duty to answer our questions. And maybe he'll answer him here, or maybe he won't. Go figure. I just told someone today, 80% of the time I'm thinking I don't know what God is doing. The other 20% I do. And that maybe is an exaggeration at times, but yeah, it's true. So before you all, I say it's God's role to have the answers. My role is to be surrendered. Cynthia and I are to be not Jesus. Yes, we are to act like Jesus, model Jesus, shine Jesus, but we are to just point people to Jesus. So are you. You're just a compass. You don't have all the answers either. You're just a compass to point people. Just point them and let God do the rest. So I take off that mask and I'm happy to do it. I did. I already took it off on uh, Wednesday <laughs> and it feels good. It makes me feel more free. It's easy. See? We all have masks. There's nothing bad about it. What ends up happening is that less baggage, faster running that you do. You need to take off some baggage today. Would you stand to your feet today? Um, my brother is singing, is playing a song that we sang as a five-year-old in church. Maybe you don't know it, and maybe uh, you do know it, but I'm going to try to lead it today because you don't have a microphone today, but would you sing this with me? All to Jesus. All to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender all to thee. I freely give. I freely give. I will ever love and trust you. I will ever love and trust you in your presence daily live. Presence daily. Go back to the all to Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him. All to him I freely give. I free. I will ever love and trust you. I say it to Jesus. Love and trust you and trust in your presence daily live. Your presence day. Come back to him every day. I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender. Just that simple chorus. Let it be your prayer. I surrender all. I surrender give it to you today. Surrender all, all to him, all to Jesus. Sit Savior, I. We have to admit, all to him, he's our blessed Savior. He wasn't just our Savior when we got saved. He's your Savior every day.
Does anyone need a Savior in your life? Anyone need a Savior? I need a Savior. I'll admit it. That's another mask. Maybe I put it on sometimes. I don't, I don't got it together. I need a Savior every day. Tomorrow morning, Monday morning, I'll probably need a Savior when you probably need a Savior when you're homeschooling your kids. I'll need a Savior when I'm trying to get Jaden to go to school. I'll need, need a Savior trying to deal with Cynthia because she's not in here. She's in the kids' ministry, so let me take off another mask. Guess what happened? No, I'm just kidding. We need a Savior. Oh, we're going to pray a prayer together. It's something I've kind of, I've never used to write down my prayers, but in this quarantine when we were online, I wrote them down. And um, because sometimes I'll just pray something, you do this too. You pray just what's, what you just, you're used to praying and you say things and you don't always mean them. So I, I wrote this down and I want you to pray it with me. And I'm not going to have you repeat it because it's a little long, but um, let it be your prayer as well. Lord Jesus, let us cultivate family in this place and outside of this place that says we are all broken and need you. Help us collectively, 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 together, collectively be people who mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. Oh, I don't want to get into mourning with them because then that'll make me feel sad. Something weird happens when we mourn with those who mourn is that we comfort them and we feel comforted and we feel closer to God. I found that as being a pastor that sometimes you do things you don't want to do because it's the right thing to do. And then in the middle of it, you realize, oh my goodness, I feel so blessed. And all I'm doing is comforting someone who had something terrible happen to them. Comfort. Let us be those people. Aren't you glad I didn't ask you to repeat this prayer? Help us reject the model that says to judge first, critique, compare, and compete. Would you look around this room for a minute during this prayer? Smile at everyone if you can. If you can't and you don't have a reason to smile, I suppose I shouldn't tell you to because you're supposed to keep that mask up. See all the people around you. Say to them right now without any words, I'm not going to compete with you. I'm not going to judge you. I think this is pretty powerful. It's going to be pretty awkward, but just look around. I'm not here to critique you. I'm not here to compare myself with you. I'm not here to compete with you. I said some things over again. I'm going to say them again. Look around. Someone you haven't looked at yet. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to critique you. I'm not here to compare with you. I'm not here to compete with you. Lord, all we want to be are people who love one another. Let us in surrender our disguises. Let love reign. We take off the phony, God bless you, mask. And we commit to being real with one another. That could include your own personal family. Some of you need to do that. I felt like that was something for someone. You need to be real with them, even if it's tough. Take off the phony mask. You'll find healing. If there's any unforgiveness in you, if there's any of that, I was, uh, we had a great testimony from my sister who shared not too long ago, Kimber. She was talking about unforgiveness in people. It, it'll mess you up. Get rid of that. Take that mask off. We admit that we collectively need you daily. 
We know that central to our worship is our posture of surrender. It's not a posture of, I have it together. It's not a posture of, I don't need you. The minute we say we don't need you is the minute the church dies because we need you even more than ever before. We are sinful and in need of a savior. My prayer is almost over. Pray this with me. We surrender and say we are not okay without you. Lord, give us a drink. Give us a drink of your spirit just for a minute. We're going to be out of here in 60 seconds, but would you just lift your hands and say, I need your spirit. I need a drink. I don't want to get on this road of running and realize I needed a drink and I took my own pride and didn't take it. Lord, give me a drink of your spirit. Give me your peace, your joy, your patience, your love, your kindness, your self-control. Give us a drink and let us tomorrow remind, remind us to ask you for another drink which is just simply saying, Jesus, I need you. We need your spirit hourly. We need a drink daily. We surrender our phony disguises and we give you control. Thanks for listening today. Amen. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.